if you're good enough, you're old enough. I still almost can't believe it sometimes. Like, just looking up and just seeing where I'm at is just uh, it's pretty surreal. But will another red-hot rookie help the Braves against the Mets? Welcome to the Braves Report, the new podcast from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution that takes you inside the clubhouse and gives you the stories behind the score. I'm Jay Black with our AJC Braves beat reporter Justin Toscano, who is in Miami. And Justin, after a deflating series against the Mets last week, the Braves could not have rebounded much better. Yeah, yeah, of course. They're really handling business against Miami, and as we speak, they have won five in a row before this last game. We'll get to that, but it's a really nice rebound for them. They really needed it as the Mets play, you know, a tougher team in the Phillies. All right, coming up, well, the show won't be entirely about Von Grissom, but you will hear from the 21-year-old about his wild and crazy week. Plus, Kirby Yates finishes off his comeback, but will he be a factor down the stretch? We'll have the injury status of Atlanta's ace and its superstar. Plus, we break down another big series with the Mets, and there's a lot of questions for Justin. If this is your first time listening to the show, please follow the Braves Report on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcast. The Braves Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution is brought to you by Kroger. In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. All right, before we begin, full disclosure, we are recording this on Sunday morning before the game because, well, your humble Braves beat reporter has another flight to catch tonight to get back to Atlanta, and we kind of figured the way this week's gone, we have enough to talk about anyway. Yeah, yeah, of course. No, I'm excited to be back in my own bed. Um, Here's the thing is, like, beat writing is a very fragile industry sometimes when you realize that you board at 715 and you are waiting on Bryce Elder and whoever the Marlins throw out there to throw a quick game and hoping and praying. So uh, I've had a lot of interesting Sundays and Wednesdays this year. Um, so let's let's keep our fingers crossed and have the people hope that when they're listening to this, I am back in Atlanta and still not in Miami. All right, so let's start with a story of the weekend. It is, of course, the stunning start to the Major League career of Vaughn Grissom. He's a talented kid. I mean, he just, you know, just wanted to keep doing what he's doing, not trying to do any more because, um, you know, it's, it's been pretty impressive so far in a short, short sample. That's manager Brian Snitker. At the end of last year, MLB.com had Grissom as the Braves' 10th best prospect. On Tuesday afternoon in Boston, did you have any thought at any point this season that Vaughn Grissom may be able to help this team in 2022? No, no, absolutely not. And um, somebody I spoke to had spoken to Brian Snicker once Ozzy Albies went down in June and talked to him about Vaughn Grissom and the improvements Grissom had made and kind of really how he'd come on. But even then, everybody knew it was a far-fetched idea. It took really took another injury in Orlando Arcia, another injury to a second baseman, I had no clue because I know the Braves feel a little bit better about their position player prospects than, you know, the lists or the rankings would have you, you know, would tell you. They don't hype him up a ton in the media. But Von Grissom was a guy who had just entered the top 100, you know, prospects list at number 98 on MLB.com. Now, after graduations, he was the top position player prospect for the Braves. But I had no clue. I mean, Michael Harris is one thing because he's a really special talent. But Vaughn Grissom shuttling him up, I I had no clue. Um, and he looks to be, you know, really special as well. 
hit 363 in double A in his short 98 at bats there, hit 312 in single A. It, it has just been a, a dramatic, rapid improvement for the 21 year old. Yeah, 100%. And he's somebody who is more of a hitter, uh, not so much of a slugger, but now the power is coming on. And a few years ago, he asked Mike Brumley, uh, the Braves' old hitting coordinator in the minor leagues, a guy who still works with Austin Riley, you know, when am I going to hit for power? And Brumley was, you know, was like, it'll come at 2022. And that's just what happened. Um, he's Grissom's been a hitter first, uh, which is kind of rare in today's game where you can, you can, you have the hit ability but you can still get some slug on the back end without sacrificing the hit ability um so he's really been growing into more power defensively we'll see how you know working with wash a little bit helps him out but he's been fine at second base he's a shortstop naturally and i mean good lord yeah you look at him the six three atlanta's got another good one but you just you keep thinking it's like how are they spitting these guys out or 21 years old and they're coming up here and they're hitting 440 foot bombs like it's nothing and, and and you asked, you know, Brian Snicker about that on Friday. It obviously gets a lot of attention around the game that the Braves have two separate contenders for Rookie of the Year in Strider and Harris, two 21-year-olds in their lineup now in Harris and Grissom. And none of these guys really needed to spend a lot of time in Gwinnett. What does it say about the organization, though, when you have two kids who are in A leading this kind of the, the game-winning round? I mean, like, it, it seems like it was... Years ago, we used to bring guys up from Double A all the time that would help them win divisions in that 14-year run. I mean, John was never afraid. You know, once a guy touched Double A, they were in play here, and, and you know, so <clears throat> it's good. They provide some energy, and, and um, you know, it's just good when you have talented guys that, that can play the game. There was a lot of mashing of fingers and a lot of discussion when Harris came up in May that. Yeah, is he ready? He just barely spent time in Double A. Grissom was there less time, and and that question really was not asked. Right, right, yeah. Because of Michael Harris, uh, what do you? I think the proper way to say it is Michael Harris uh, walked so Vaughn Grissom could run uh, in that <laughs> in that debate. And I know the Braves from their perspective, it's like they'll never know if somebody is truly ready. But for what they had here, they really liked Grissom as a hitter. They knew he could perhaps be an above-average defender. Um, they think he's a smart, instinctive base runner. There are a lot of things they liked. And when you looked at them organizationally organizationally, when Orlando Garcia went out, the main option that I would have thought of probably is, you know, somebody like Braden Shoemake, if they were going to call up a prospect at AAA. But he went on the injured list, and so you couldn't call him up. And you have Ryan Goins, Pat Valaika. Taylor Motter, guys like that at AAA. And it really shows you a lot that Alex Anthopoulos was willing to go into the prospect ranks, which, as we've discussed on this podcast, uh, are not a plenty um, in terms of guys who are, you know, major league ready, but he was willing to go down there uh, for the sake of winning because they were really going to be sacrificing until Ozzie Albies came back if they, you know, went with just a fill-in from AAA, like a Phil Gosselin-type person like they had you know earlier in the season if they went with a modder or a goins or something like that it's fine but adrianza um would have been your primary starter and as we saw that might not have worked out as well just because he ended up going on the injured list with something covid related because they didn't injury designate the injury so it really shows a lot that the braves are trying to win now and alex is not afraid to shuttle his guys up all right 
We'll let Vaughn speak for himself now because we've already spoken a lot about him. And we do have some compelling audio here from you were there the moments pretty much when he took his first steps onto a big league ball field for the first time in uniform on Wednesday. First of all, I got the call last night like around 11 or 12, and it was not what I thought. <laughs> I mean, I had no idea. I thought I was literally in trouble or for something. And then uh, I got the call, and I was, it was just like I couldn't even speak for a long time. I mean, it was it was – I mean, all my – childhood dreams came true you know so like I said it's you you think you're gonna react a lot easier and a lot better and then it happened and I could like I thought I was having a heart attack so <laughs> so um, it's I mean it was awesome I called my my parents immediately and it was just like like they didn't believe me either <laughs> they're just like nah, I quit playing with me man but uh it was just like yeah I guess I'm getting the feelings again just because like it's the way it happened. It was just, you know, perfect. You almost can't script it any better. But um, like I said, I had no idea. And like my family, my my girlfriend, like my just everybody was just like super excited for me. Obviously, but it's just just a what a moment. When you uh, when you walked out here for the first time, and you saw all this. What sorts of things go through your mind at that moment? I had to stop. I was right about to come up the steps, and I had to stop. And I was like, I don't even know if I'm ready right now. So I took a couple steps back. I was like, Mike, watch me. <laughs> and I just we went, and then we, he got a video of me coming out. But it was just like, I can't. I haven't even thought about it, like to put into words, because like, I mean, it's really just like my heart. Your heart starts going, and it's just you're just like, wow, I'm really like. It paid off, all the hard work and all the nights in the cage, you know, all everything we've done. Everybody, I've had so many people believe in me. Then I've been guided so many, like, so much throughout my, like, childhood, and I've really been blessed. So, like, every, like, trying to contact everyone, making sure no one's missing, like, getting missed out was, like, really, that was, like, the main thing, I guess. But uh, I feel like we made it for, like, my whole town in a way, like, everyone who's helped me. So it's it was just all hit me at once, right, when I came out here and saw the lights and stuff. And then look up at the press box and just, wow. I mean, there's no other way. There's no way to, like, really describe it, really, in good words. And then, of course, his huge debut and that bomb over the monster. So you have that storybook moment. Do you, can you script it any better than that? Nah, I mean, it was uh, the, obviously the competitive nature kicked in. I, I mean, I got, had a couple of bats, and I, I failed a couple times. So it was just like, all right, like, gear down. But, uh. I'm not gonna say I expected it, but like I, ex we needed to do something, you know. And uh, I'm glad this that one just carried out. What were the emotions you felt when you run out to the field for the first time? Oh, that that was crazy. Just like I just took a second to myself to just really look at everything and like just process what was going on, and just like just do my best to just take a picture in my head. But it was really just, I mean, you really don't know until you actually do it. I mean, you can try to prepare yourself and all that, but it's just nothing like how you think it's gonna be. What did it mean to have your family there to see that? Oh, it was, that meant everything. Yeah, that was the, that was the best part. Um, like I said earlier, we all did this together, so it, was, it feels like like a big family thing. Like to get it done like that. The um, the home run specifically, like just what goes through your head when you see that one leave? It's Fenway Park, the Green Monster. Like, are you even thinking about anything? Or I mean, my my first professional home run ever was at the Jet Blue. So, like, I don't know why, but I was kind of picturing, like, I pictured it last yesterday. I was like, oh, that would be cool, like, if I did the same thing I did in my first. But uh, I was like, nah, don't do that. You're going to jinx yourself. You're going to punch or something like that. But, uh, 
yeah, it was pretty. It's pretty surreal. Like I said, it's uh, just a what a moment. Like I was, it was like a we made it moment. I guess like like we did it. Like type of you know feeling. It was a. Uh, kind of run out of words there and i i I can imagine when one day you're in double a not really thinking you're gonna have a have a chance this season then all of a sudden you're smack dab in the middle of fenway park trotting around the base yeah no kidding you go from playing in tennessee with the double a team to fenway park among almost forty thousand people uh sweet caroline you know bopping from the speakers after the eighth inning all that stuff um and you hit a home run and let's just like point out the fact that i think von grissom is the only top prospect in major league baseball history now we haven't checked this in on baseball reference Stathead, uh fan graphs or elias sports but he's the only top prospect in baseball history to come up and mention looking up at the press box as one of the things he took in. Um, I don't think I've ever heard anybody say that, but thank you, Vaughn. <laughs> a little ode to the media there. That's uh, I, I have never heard anybody say that. But yeah, I mean, makes an immediate impact. And let's like consider this. That ball at Fenway Park landed on Lansdowne Street beyond the Green Monster. Um, the one yesterday was hit where the home run sculpture used to be 440 feet it flew off the bat at 107 miles an hour my friend these are these are big boy home runs like these are not cheapies uh and this this power is real we heard about it in the minors we heard it had been coming on and he has crushed a couple balls so far like these are big boy bombs six three 440 foot homers at 21 and I, I hope one of our enterprising AJC photographers will get the shot of Von Grissom next to Ozzy Albies when Ozzy returns, because that is two completely <laughs> different body types. Uh, however, they both are, are well, at least in the first week, Vaughn's getting it done, and, and Ozzy is obviously an all-star second baseman. But that is still his seat. When will he get to return to his seat? Yeah, right now, I mean, he he's in picking up baseball activities a, a little bit, so he's played catch. He's still kind of running on a medical-specific treadmill that kind of keeps pressure off of uh, the foot and doesn't too, put too much on there. Right now, it looks like the best case for him is probably early September or the middle of September at some point in there. Now, the Braves haven't released a timeline. I'm just speaking off my own gut of covering this thing. Um, but you're right. Then they'll have not so much of an issue with Grissom, just something to figure out. It's like, do you keep him on the roster and spell a guy here or there, or hit off the bench, do you send him down so he gets keeps getting the at-bats? I mean, right now it looks like he's probably too good to, to send down. I mean, when that does happen, we'll see what happens when he's been in the big leagues for about a month or so and change. Um, yeah, this is still Ozzy's seat. Ozzy had not had the type of season he wanted to before the injury, but this is a two-time silver slugger. Probably on the most team-friendly deal in baseball uh, for, you know, a guy who signed a contract extension. I can't think of another. And he should be coming back at some point you know, in the next month or month in a, in a week or so, uh, you would hope. The Braves certainly expect him back. So uh, we'll kind of follow that. Uh, a significant portion of the Ask Justin segment is going to be about, of course, Vaughn Grissom. So we have many more questions on this topic. But before we go here, uh, what is Orlando Arcia's status? Yeah, so he actually told me uh, – through interpreter Franco Garcia, that he the Braves said he could return in three to four weeks. Now, 
I asked Brian Snicker after. I didn't mention the timeline, but I asked him, and he said it's it's going to be a while. So that was a, what they found about the severity. So he looks like he's he's kind of a ways off. When you're looking for leading cardiac treatment, look to Northside Hospital Heart Institute. We lead with five emergency cardiac care centers, so we're here when you need us most. We lead with more than 55 locations in Georgia. That means we're always in the heart of your neighborhood. We lead with clarity, because clear direction is better when it comes to understanding every step of your treatment. Northside Hospital Heart Institute. We lead with heart. The Braves Report is brought to you by Kroger. And all right, parents, summertime is over. School's back in session. But if you're looking for a fun learning opportunity for your kid, try Kroger Chef Jr., Come visit your local Kroger chef for a guided kids' cooking experience making a fruit pizza on August 27th at select Kroger locations. Each Kroger Chef Jr. is a 30-minute class where your child receives an apron, patch, chef's hat, recipe card and box, and a pizza cutter for only $7 per child. So register your time period at KrogerChefJr.com today. That is KrogerChefJr.com. All right, now, while Grissom has burst onto the scene this week, it's been a much slower burn for former All-Star closer Kirby Yates to get back to the show. But after Tommy John's surgery in 724 days between big league appearances, Yates is back in the bullpen. And, and Justin, you had a lot of time to speak to him after his return. What was, what was that like when you get when Snit, you know, when they, they call down to the bullpen and you get to go? Which, were you emotional in that moment coming out back out to the mound? Yeah, I think the whole day was kind of emotional. Um... You know, I, I knew this was coming, so I guess I tried to do my best to prepare myself, but I don't know if you ever can. Um, it, you know, it's not just me that's been in this. It's been, it's been so many people involved. It's been everybody in my family. It's been all the people back home are quiet. Um, you know, it, it's, it's like making a debut again, but I had probably way more emotion in this than I've ever had in a baseball game. Um, <laughs> wow. And how would you, now that you look back on the journey, it was almost almost two years of the day, actually, that you pitched in a major league game. How would you describe the journey to get back there? You know, I, you start out when you get the news that, hey, you're getting Tommy John, you get a second Tommy John at 34 years old. You don't really know what the outcome's going to be. You don't know. You never knew if this was a reality. Um, you know, there. Were, <laughs> I mean, there was a day where I was going to Texas to get my, you know, MRI and get a checkup to see my sir, and I knew in my heart that I was getting my second TJ, and it was, it was incredibly tough for me to leave the house. Um, you know, I was crying in the middle of the kitchen for no reason, didn't know why, and uh, you know, I. It's just I, I don't know. Like I can't explain it as as the way I feel. I just you know there's there's been a lot of emotion and um, it's been a long long time and I know that and um, I'm just I'm just glad that it's over with and I can you know sit here in this clubhouse and, and kind of get back to work and, and you know I'm still I feel still feel rusty like I still feel like I haven't pitched in two years and I still feel but I still feel like I can help this team win a World Series. All right, so after almost to the day, two full years away, what did you think of his return? Yeah, it was good. They got him in in a nice spot uh, at the end of the seventh inning, big spot in the game. But he, you know, was against Xander Bogarts, retired the star shortstop by getting him to pop out. It was 
nice, I think, for the Braves to get him in there for an out to finish an inning so he could get all that emotion out, um, kind of have it all hit him at once, but not have to pitch like a full inning and just kind of get him out of there after that. Um, so that was nice. Since he has kind of struggled a little bit. So in the couple games in Miami here, he has come in a clean inning and only recorded one out uh, and then had to be taken out. But I asked Brian Snicker about this, um, you know, why he thought, especially in the, the Friday game, that kind of a high leverage spot was right for a guy coming off Tommy John. He was he, His explanation was just that. It's hard to find the perfect situation when you get a guy. And, you know, um, he threw good. I mean, the stuff was a lot better than it was the other day. And, and I think he, he told me he said his split was better in the pen than it was when it was out there. But, you know, just the arm strength and the ball jumping out of his hand pretty good. So, you know, there's never going to be the perfect the perfect time. I think I think he'll be fine, though. I mean, I think this stuff is going to be fine. We saw in the rehab assignment that he can still pitch. Yes, that's in the minor leagues. But I think there's probably a lot of emotion still. Uh, he's probably just still rusty. Like, I think we've got to give him a little bit of time. But I think he's going to be fine. Uh, when you look at it, it's never a bad thing to add another closer to your bullpen. And now the Braves have three of them. Four if you count A.J. Minter, who's gotten saves in his career. So I would assume he's still knocking off rust, and he knows that. And, I mean, he mentioned that in our interview. So, Is it, uh, is it fair to expect Kirby to be able to contribute in high leverage spots the rest of the way? Yeah, I think so. I think once he's here for a couple weeks at least and gets settled into things, I think it's fair to expect that because this is a guy they signed to a two-year deal knowing that he had had Tommy John surgery, he was going to be coming off of that. And for pitchers, I mean, he's, you know, not only did he have Tommy John surgery, he had a second one at 34 like he was talking about. So I think, you know, they would not have signed him if they didn't expect that he could pitch in high leverage spots in some capacity. And I think it's fair to expect that now. The recovery went as expected. He's back. Um, when you looked at it, he was supposed to be back a little bit after the All-Star break, early August. He hit that target. So, yeah, I think eventually once he knocks the rust off, you can expect him to pitch in high leverage spots, especially because leverage is defined differently in these days. doesn't mean he has to be the setup man in the eighth all the time, but... I think he's serviceable and can be good, um, you know, not just serviceable, but good in, you know, the seventh, eighth inning, whatever spot they need him in, even the sixth. He's just kind of another weapon they can deploy. And because they have so much bullpen depth and versatility back there, uh, he won't be relied upon to do too much or go out of his realm. A couple of major bits of injury news also this weekend. Uh, first, Ron Lacuna and Snit said on Saturday night, knee, no big deal. The source, it's, you know, he. It's a lot of banging around out there on the, you know, he felt good, but, you know, on that turf and everything, I think it just kind of, you know, bit him a little bit. He's fine. He's fine. Ronald uh, told you he's been dealing with this for about a week, which is pretty impressive considering how well he's been playing. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, he's really come on of late, uh, and he said, you know, it's it's nice to come on and, and play really well, especially because as he struggled, he you know, he knows he, it's sometimes easy to lose confidence, but he's playing super well. That said, yeah, he's still dealing with a little bit of that knee soreness for a week or so. Um, he still had to manage it through exercises, treatment, things like that, a routine that he's had since he's come back from the torn ACL. Um, and we asked him about that turf, and he, he agreed with Brian Snicker, saying that that turf is you know tough to play on, and it's tough to play on when you're playing an 18-inning doubleheader. Um, I, I think... I think like some Atlanta company is probably in the future, like in the offseason, just going to 
pay for Miami to like replace its <laughs> synthetic like grass out there. Like I, I just think that um, you know, all seriousness, it's something they're gonna have to manage. Brian Snicker doesn't expect Acuna on the IL, and he was pretty like, no, 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 when asked that question. So it should be fine because he said before that this might just be something the Braves have to manage uh, until the end of the season, and then Acuna can have a full off season, regular off season, normal spring training, and be back next year. But yeah, some of that knee soreness uh, is still lingering. So until we get you know further indication that it it is serious, I think it's just something you know they're treating it as something they maybe expected to have to manage. Of possibly bigger concern uh, could be the headline that includes concussion, Braves ace, and Max Freed. I would say it's definitely, you know, it's, it's unknown. I'm in unknown territory, right? So um, I'm not really, no, I don't have anything from prior experience to know how I'm supposed to feel or what I should be looking to or looking forward to. So it's just kind of a day-by-day process where just trying to be as honest as I can with how I feel and then, um, you know, letting the doctors and trainers kind of do their job and, you know, give me the best uh, course of production. We'll get to our Mets preview here in just a second, um, but will he be available for that Mets series? To be determined. When I asked him that, he said he wasn't trying to put timetables on everything. So we'll break this down. When I asked him that, he said he wasn't trying to put timetables on anything, but he was doing everything he could to get back. Now, after the game... So that same night, the Braves shuffled the rotation, backing off of Spencer Strider for Saturday and Charlie Morton for Sunday. And so they were going to, Brian Snicker mentioned they might use Strider and Morton on Monday and Tuesday and then keep Odorizzi on turn for Wednesday. So that would mean that there would be a day for either Max Fried or Kyle Wright to come back and pitch in the Mets series. If those are still the plans, that was a very like tentative plan that could obviously, you know, change probably, you know, might change to some degree we'll figure that out but um i think he could be a possibility for that last game uh they're just trying to really make sure he's okay all right we obviously do want to thank everybody for taking the time to listen to this podcast and staying with us uh, throughout the season here uh, numbers are increasing more people are finding the show we're very happy about that but we can't do this without subscribers to the atlanta dirt well we could do it but we wouldn't get paid for it uh, and Justin wouldn't be in Miami. But we could still be two knuckleheads talking about baseball. But we couldn't do this professionally without the subscribers to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. And we do have a special offer for Braves fans. If you have not heard yet, we've been talking about this all season, and it's still going on. It's our season pass. So you get unlimited digital access to the AJC for just $39.99 for the next eight months. That's $125 a week. It's half off our regular offer. So if you want to join our Braves community, go to subscribe.ajc.com slash season pass. That is subscribe.ajc.com slash season pass so you always know what's really going on. Now, the good news for the Braves. They were able to bounce back after that horrible trip to New York. They can turn the page, you know, from a rough weekend to kind of regrouping here. Now they get the Mets at Truist Park for four huge ones starting Monday night. The Mets clearly separated themselves last week in New York. How much different could things be here in Atlanta? I think a lot different. There's one thing that separates these teams. The Braves hit for power. The Mets try to work you a little more and be a little more opportunistic. Now, I think things could be a lot different if Braves pitchers find ways to put away Mets hitters. Um, And I'm not going to say the Mets were all luck. We talked about that. You create your own luck. The Braves have almost the same batting average on balls in play. But you look at a ball that goes off the bag against Spencer Strider and two-run score. You look at a couple of those blue pits. You look at 
it seems like a lot of those things, you know, you're seeing a flare here, a soft single there, and that's the Mets' game. They put the ball in play. They put it where it needs to be. Uh, they stay with it and hit it, you know, where it's pitched. But I think things could be different if Braves pitchers find a way to put away Mets hitters. And then if the if the Braves can hit a couple two or three run home runs throughout that series. Because the issue with the Braves has not been necessarily that they can't hit for power against the Mets. They can. They just don't have anybody on when they do because it's a lot harder to get two or th- you know two men on against Max Scherzer and Jacob DeGrom and even Chris Bassett than it is against pitchers they might be facing here in Miami or pitchers they faced in Boston. I think that's going to be big. The Mets' starting pitching has been so good that the Braves really haven't been able to kind of run a circus around the bases um, and, and put a lot of guys on. And I think that's going to be the thing. If if the Braves can handle the Mets' starting pitching and then Braves pitchers can put away Mets hitters, I think this could be a different result, especially because the Braves are getting them in Truist Park, which is hosted, geez, I think it's 27 or 28 sellouts now. It might be 29. I know this is a bit of a strange question to ask about a team that's got a you know 20 games plus over 500, but do the Braves have a problem against playoff teams? Oh, I mean, it certainly seems like it because they're under 500 against teams above 500. Um, they have not played well against the Mets. Uh, they've had, you know, a couple struggles against the Phillies. They lost the season series with the Padres. They lost the season series with the Dodgers. I think they're as good as anybody talent-wise, but it is concerning that they haven't played like it as often as you would have liked. And maybe a lot of that bad record just comes from struggling against the Mets this year. The Mets have had their numbers so far. But, I mean, I think it is intriguing. You look at the Padres series, the Dodgers series, the Mets series. The Braves can play with anybody. It's just a matter of finishing those games off. We've seen a lot of close losses um, in, you know, the, the teams from California especially, but you got to finish, you got to win. So while it looks like the Braves have one of baseball's best rosters, it is a little bit concerning that they just have not played overly well against the teams that they'll actually see in the playoffs. The Braves have played 14 series against uh, playoff contenders, the teams with winning records, the Mets, Phillies, Cardinals, Brewers, Dodgers, and Padres. Of those 14 series, they've won three of them, three, seven, and four. The Mets have played 13 series with one in progress against those teams, they are 10-1-1. One, one. The Dodgers, nine series, they are 7-1-1. One, one. Yeah, that I think it's telling for sure. Now, the Braves, you'd be, as Matt Olson has said before, looking with a fine-tooth comb to find issues here, find place to add. But they just have not played well against those great teams. And moving forward, you ask yourself, well, is that just happens, you know, circumstance and it's just a coincidence or is that indicative of a larger problem now if you get into the postseason like we saw last year anything can happen everything goes out the window but you know it's almost like I keep saying that on paper the Braves are one of the best teams in baseball and then when they get to playing the other best teams in baseball they just don't look like it and I think that's a lot of the issue is that when they have played the Mets and the Dodgers and the Padres they just have not shown up like there there's just things they're doing that they don't execute, they don't hit as well, they're not as crisp, the pitching. I think the pitching is something that maybe worries me a little bit against the Mets um, because I think they've played 
what is it now, 12 games against the Mets, and in those 12 games, they've had three quality starts. So only three of their starters have gone six innings with, you know, giving up three or fewer runs. And you could probably take a pretty good guess, right, at who those are. Max Fried did it twice. Kyle Wright did it once. And they only had, out of, you know, last weekend, one out of five games was a quality start for a Braves starter. So I think it's just that they're not as good as they might be. They just have not played well against the better teams. And if you're a Braves fan, you just hope that's not indicative of the team as a whole and just like something that's a rough, poor coincidence. But they have not like they have not played well. They have not executed. They have not hit. They have not pitched as well. They have not played defense as well as they should have. All right. Getting toward the end of the line here. Time for Ask Justin. Answering your questions on Twitter at Justin C. Toscano. What do we got? First up, Darren Stout. Is Grissom to left field that bad of a thought? Oh, I mean, he's 6'3", and that's a big boy to be playing uh, out <laughs> in the outfield there. But Aaron, Aaron Judge does it. I don't know. I mean, I think, look, like the Braves will look for positional versatility wherever they can get it. Uh, Robbie Grossman's on an expiring contract. Eddie Rosario's not signed long-term. Um, and the Braves have always shown a willingness to get bats, you know, somewhere in the lineup, even if that's in the outfield. They played William Contreras in left field once, for goodness sakes. Uh, so I don't think it's that far-fetched, but I think they're going to let him stay. I mean, well, now that he's up, you know, I, I thought they were going to let him stay at shortstop or second base through his big league time, kind of, like, until he got up here and then reevaluate. But I don't think it's a big, you know, bad idea, especially if you want to get his bat in the lineup. From Blake Davis. How much does Grissom's showing, at least in a really small sample size, that he can play at this level affect Dansby's re-signing? Maybe, maybe a little bit, but I don't think... I think there are so many other factors to Dansby that I haven't seen it like that personally. One, Dansby is just so important to the team. Uh, the intangibles he brings, I think, are irreplaceable. Um, the experience is irreplaceable. Defensively, Dansby is just much better right now. I think the Braves have always thought Grissom could turn into, above, into an above-average defender, but they always went through the scouting process, the draft process, and then after knowing that because he's 6'3", 200-something pounds, he could eventually move off shortstop and that his range, you know, while he has an above-average arm, his range isn't tremendous. So I think Dansby's just better defensively. So I think that, yeah, if you're looking at the bat, like it's it's nice to know maybe Grissom could play up here. But I think this is such a short sample size, small sample size that I don't think it's worth completely changing your course of thought on Dansby right now if you're the Braves next from GB who's your top position player prospect in the organization assuming Vaughn formally graduates uh I mean I know Alex Anthopoulos at, at the trade deadline presser said like they don't hype their guys up as much as maybe other organizations so guys don't appear on lists or publications I mean to me right now I guess the most big league ready guy would be Braden Shoemake uh shortstop who in AAA, who's probably ready for a call-up if, if an injury happens and he's healthy uh, the next time around. Otherwise, I mean, you've got, I guess, like a couple options. I mean, Jesse Franklin's got some power. Um, yeah, I would say I would say probably Braden Shoemake is the best, I mean, right now, because some of those other guys are so young. Like A guy like Justin Henry Malloy is so young. I guess say I should say short in his you know soon in his development process, but yeah, I don't know. There's going to be some guy that comes on, and I don't think Braden Shoemake's the highest ceiling guy, but right now I think he's definitely the closest to the majors. Jesse Franklin's got major power, the outfielder. 
it's going to be interesting because there's not a ton down there in terms of position player prospects, in terms of guys we have heard about a lot. From at Justin Limbersnake, what did you think of Ian on Saturday? Yeah, good. Much more in command. Uh, you could tell his mindset was a little different. He was attacking and, you know, kind of just letting his stuff play. That said, as good as he was, this time in Gwinnett's going to be good for him to figure some things out. Um, we've talked about on this show before that the concerning thing I see with Ian is that his last, you know, his few good starts that we've talked about have come against the Nationals. One was against the Diamondbacks, and then now one against the Marlins. The Marlins, as we've seen, have at this point before the series finale have not scored three, have not scored more than three runs in 14 games. Uh, so they're not very good. They're slumping. And uh, but I thought Ian was good. Obviously, the option, you know, situation motivated him uh, and his mindset was to come here and, and kind of prove to the organization that a little bit and show them that that he you know belonged here and was ready. And, you know, he hopes to get another crack soon. And our final question from Kelsey Sinclair. When it comes to the playoffs, would wild card or division winner be better for the Braves? Would having that first round off hurt the Braves? when they're a team that really thrives on momentum rather than raw ability to grind out wins? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think for that reason, wild card would be better, but you almost can't say that in baseball because it's almost like, I mean, you do play every day, but it's tough to pass up the chance to rest your pitching, rest your guys, nurse any injuries. Um, here's a strategy for you, Jay. Uh, the Braves tank their last month and a half of the season so they intentionally get the last wild card spot so they can face the brewers or like the nl central division winner. how's that <laughs> that's, um no that's but a, uh, nfl type strategy right now no right now i think it's it's better i mean you want you want the the buy and the time to rest but that's a good point i mean if you're looking at this like the team will never say that but if you're looking at this right now the braves are definitely a team that thrives on momentum and playing every day oh uh, we've seen it like their best stretches this year have come when they've played 20 in a row or have come you know during that 14 game run you know in june i think if you're a braves fan you probably hope for the wild card because the padres now who are not going to be getting fernando tatis jr back are very beatable right there and they're even in the last wild card spot now so you know right now it would be the phillies uh and you've shown you can beat them consistently uh, especially at truest park so I think the Braves are, are fine in that, you know, wild card spot, but it's hard to it is hard to pass up a chance to rest the pitching, but I just don't, you know, playing every day matters too. All right. Winners of the week, you first. Yeah, my winners of the week, um, so you're, you know, you just turned twenty one years old. You're going out to have your first drink, uh, first, you know, night on the bar scene, whatever with your buddies, and then you look up at the TV and you find out that you know, it also may be possible for you to hit 440-foot bombs. So I think, like, Michael Harris and Von Grissom putting on for all 21-year-olds throughout America, 21-year-olds have gotten a lot of publicity in the news this week. Mine uh, mine is another younger uh, ball player. It is Fernando Tatis Jr. is my winner of the week. W winner? I, what? Because he has still made $17 million. Oh my God! That's now the uh, other three hundred and thirty million could be in jeopardy, but he's at least still got some money in the bank. Yeah, don't uh, yeah, don't get ringworm, and if you do and try to treat it, don't come up with an excuse like that. Get a uh, who, <laughs> who like we appreciate everybody appreciates the effort. The baseball world appreciates the effort, but you looked at that excuse and you're like, holy smokes! <laughs> I mean, who who like? 
you I well, I saw this funny thing. Somebody goes, you need a better agent or da 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 or you know advisor or whoever if you're gonna do that. And somebody replied and goes, you can't fire your dad. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can. It's been done before. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ser- yeah. Seriously. Um, yeah. No. The so. So that's that you got that if you're going as, as Braves fans. If the Padres climb back into that other wild card spot to face the Braves, uh, they won't have their superstar who is out with ringworm and testing positive for performance enhancing drugs. So locker room's a little bit upset at the moment, a little bit of drama. Not oh, what you God. want going into a postseason run. God, yeah, when you have some of those quotes as somebody like I always say, it's difficult to read a major league clubhouse if you've never played major league baseball. But the fact that some of those quotes got out publicly uh, gives you a pretty good indication at how those guys are feeling in that clubhouse right now. Finally, congratulations to this week's Braves Youth Baseball and Youth Softball Coaches of the Week. Lee Wilson of Hampton. He's the baseball coach for the 6-and-under and 10-and-under and 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 Raptors. And Josh Burris from Sandy Springs. He coaches softball for the 8-and-under Crush out of Roswell Recreation. Check out this week's nominees and cast your vote at AJC.com slash Braves Coach of the Week which is brought to you by the Atlanta Braves and your local Kroger store. So if you have not done so, please rate, review, follow, share, and subscribe to the Braves Report podcast. That is what helps us grow this show. Did we deserve a five-star ranking this week? Four and a half? I think so. There was a lot of sound uh, that you only hear on this podcast, a lot of analysis. Um, and I like to think we bring a little bit of the fun, right? Whether it's uh, talking about the latest in, in the Ringworm series or talking about, you know, 21-year-olds from the winners of the week. I mean, I think I think we bring a little bit of uh, a little bit of fun. Exactly. So, you know, and, 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 if, and if you don't think we deserve a five-star, please tell us how we can improve it. We are here to serve you on the Brave Support Podcast. So, safe travels, and we'll see you back here on Monday. All right. Thanks. We'll see you guys. All right. New shows come out every Monday, so we will see you next week on the Braves Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. When you're looking for leading cardiac treatment, look to Northside Hospital Heart Institute. We lead with five emergency cardiac care centers, so we're here when you need us most. We lead with more than 55 locations in Georgia. That means we're always in the heart of your neighborhood. We lead with clarity, because clear direction is better when it comes to understanding every step of your treatment. Northside Hospital Heart Institute. We lead with heart. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC.